Feathers Nation. Sir, it's been a while since we talked. How are you? Happy New Year, LT. How are you doing? I'm well. I, I had a really nice Christmas. I uh, made a turkey and uh, everybody enjoyed it. Nobody got sick. So that was good. What about you? That's all you can ask for. Yeah. You know what? It was a, it was a nice, casual kind of uh, Christmas week. It's always that strange time where it's a, time's kind of a flat circle between Christmas and New Year's. But it was great. Got to see some family. Got to see some friends. Got to uh, have a couple of nice dinners out. And obviously the big meal on Christmas is fantastic. Did you... Did you um... How do I put this? Did you did you lose track of time? Yes. Yeah. Easily, in fact. It's one of those, for me, it's, you know, I was trying, my only goal for the week was to sleep in a little bit. Now that I've got a little bit older, sleeping until 9 o'clock feels like such a gift. So I was trying to do that, and then by the time my day would end and just kind of back home and settled, you might be midnight, might be 1 o'clock in the morning, and you just go, oh, wow, what day is it anyway? Do I have to work tomorrow? No? Okay, we're still good. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird times of the year where you try to recoup and try and get the most out of it while you can, and, and I certainly try to do that this year. Well, you and I were lollygagging. The Oilers were putting their boots on and, and working really hard. Um, January gives them an opportunity. If they work as hard and are successful as they were in December, they could really put some pressure on teams. Do you see them uh, posting a really strong number in January in 11 games? We look at the 11 <clears throat> games that they've got and the teams they're in, those 11 games, and you look at who is going to really stand in their way, provided that the Oilers, I mean, there's a huge caveat here, Al, that the Oilers have to play the way they have been playing throughout this win streak. That's all, that's the most obvious thing. But outside of the game against Toronto on the 16th, I don't see anybody in the calendar for the month of January that really goes, oh, that's a tough one, or oh, that's a scheduled loss, or oh, if the Oilers don't play well, that one's going to be a tough one. If they play the way they can, they play the way that Chris Knobloch has them playing, over the last 17 games outside of the, the, the three-game losing streak in there, I think that they're going to do really, really well here. So even though we've been talking about a six-game win streak currently, I could see this being this stretch being the one that they finally get that 10-game uh, win streak that this franchise has never seen. That's absolutely doable with the schedule. And frankly, since I'm selfish, there's no reason they couldn't win all 11. Provided that, you know, it's going to take some luck, it's going to take some goaltending, it's going to take some depth scoring, it's going to take all of that. But the roadmap is there to do it if they keep playing as well as they have. Can they catch L.A. or, or another team that would stumble from the top three? Yeah, it's, that's the tricky thing, right? Isn't it? Like, we're talking about a six-game win streak right now, and yet the Oilers are still on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. I know that they're only, uh, you know, they're one point out of the wild card spot with the game at hand. I understand that. But it's amazing that winning 14 of the last 17 games really hasn't moved the needle all that much in terms of like maybe climbing back up into the top three. Can they catch LA? Yes, they absolutely can catch LA, but they're going to need some luck. They're going to need to keep winning, and LA is going to lose in regulation because, as much as it was nice to win uh, against LA last week, just before the new year, they still hadn't managed to get a point. So, when you got that Batman loser point factored in there, it's really tough to catch teams in this league. Yes, they can do it, but they're going to need wins, and they're also going to need a bunch of luck. Bag Milk, our guest, Oilers Nation Sports fourteen forty in the lowdown with low tide. Now, I want to frame this question correctly because there's there there are um, shifting sands in this question. So. Understanding that the price point on a goalie of note is going to be high because so many teams are looking at it. And then further understanding that Stuart Skinner 
and Calvin Pickard have played well since the coaching changed and the, the defense looks more structured. Is goaltender still the number one issue in Edmonton? I don't think so. And let me know what you think of this because I think Calvin Pickard, as your backup, currently, as we're talking today on January 4th, he has a 904 save percentage. That is okay by me. I mean, it's not fantastic. We're not writing Vezina candidate beside his name with numbers like a 904, but that is acceptable backup goaltending to me. And I think that kind of shifts a little bit. So now my thought is a bigger priority is finding somebody to play at 3C, considering how well Ryan McLeod is playing on the left side with Leon Dreisaitl. And maybe that is a short-term solution for that line buzzing the way they are. But while they're rolling, I want to keep them together. And we know what the first line could do. But right now I see a hole at 3C. So it kind of shifts it a little bit for me. So the bigger priorities, to, in my opinion, and again, I'd love to know your take on it, it would be a 3C or maybe trying to find a way to upgrade somewhere on the right side on defense. Uh, I think Vinny DeHarnay on the third pairing looked good. I think that if there's any opportunity to upgrade on that right side on defense, it might be Cody Cece, unfortunately. So those would be my two priorities as of today, given how well Stuart Skinner's playing. And that Calvin Pickard has provided the Oilers some quality backup goaltending here over his last couple of starts. See, I think that you, you're on to something, and I would just add to it, because I think you're on the right track for sure. I would just say that, that goaltending... There's so little out there, and right-handed defensemen come at such a premium. I think a third-line center, you know, they uh, CC and Nurse are are going to be asked a, a lot during this down the stretch into the playoffs. Are going to be asked to do a lot. Having said that, I don't know how many better up like Tanev is out there, but what's the price point, and can yeah. you fit him in? So I think third-line center. I'll say this. I think they'll do more than one thing. I do think they'll add a defenseman. I don't know it'll be at the top end. I think they'll add a goalie. But I think the the money might end up going to third-line center. And that would be interesting because right now you've got a Vander Kane for the third line. If you add a significant center, say a right-handed guy, the idea of three scoring lines, which is sort of a unicorn thought for Oiler fans, at least comes into view a little. Fair? I totally agree with you. The the three scoring lines, I mean, that's been the dream for Oilers fans for a long time. So we're we're pretty close to realizing that dream here if we can find a piece that slots in in the middle. So I'm with you. The third line center, it's really kind of opened up an opportunity there to go find someone that can contribute because Ryan McLeod right now on the wing alongside Leon Drysaddle with his speed and ability to retrieve pucks is is working really nicely. And I almost think we might have a better winger on our hands than we ever would a 3C in McLeod. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he's he's you know, he's scoring now but his his offense has always been there but he has not been he he delivered that offense without Drysidle or McDavid. Now he's doing it with Drysidle and it looks really good. What what are your thoughts Bag Milk our guest from Oilers Nation on Sports 1440 in the Lowdown with Low Tide. What are your thoughts about Dylan Holloway? He's going down to the minors. He's going to play at center. Do you see him as being maybe a fourth-line option or, or maybe just a utility guy? It's an interesting it's an interesting move that they're making him. They're going to go down. He's going to go down and play at center. I'm really interested to see how this goes because Dylan Holloway has got all the tools you like. He's a bigger kid. He's fast. He's got hands. He can score. He has scored at lower levels, maybe not so much at the NHL level just yet in his young career, but he's a really interesting player to me. And if this experiment with him works at three uh, as, as a center down in Bakersfield, 
is he somehow the answer to our 3C conversation we're just talking about at the NHL level? Obviously, that's part of kind of putting the, the cart before the horse a little bit, but I've got a lot of time for Dylan Holloway. There's so much to like here, and it's really unfortunate the past couple of years have all been derailed by injury. I thought he was playing some of his best hockey of the season. Uh, I was actually at the game in November 11th when he scored a goal how Hatrick and then I thought he was playing well against New York Islanders until he got hurt. So it's been really unfortunate to see him kind of get banged up here over the last couple of years. But if he can figure out this centerman thing down on the farm, I, I think that really opens up the doors for him to contribute at the NHL level. When you're looking at, at what the cost point, the price point might be to make a move, um, it could be Broberg, the 2024 first round pick. Um, does does the idea of trading out of the Jack Campbell contract still appeal to you, or do you think that's a summer buyout? Oh, that's a that's a really interesting question because when I look at the Oilers' draft picks for this coming draft, they've got their first, they've got their second, no third, no fourth, a fifth, two in the sixth, and no seventh. So it's not like they have a bunch of uh, of draft bullets that are spent in June. So I, if they could. I'd love to see them do anything they possibly could to avoid trading that first rounder. I just, the Oilers need players on the depth chart that can come in and play and contribute down the line. So I'd really be hesitant to give up that first rounder. But if you could get Jack Campbell off the books clean and free without having to retain salary or without having to buy him out and extend that contract over a six-year period rather than just leaving the three that's left on there, then, you know, that might be a different conversation. Because if you have to buy him out, then sure, that saves you some short-term dollars, but then you still have to find a goalie to fill it up. So you're not, you're probably netting out at even at best. So that's really the only opportunity I would be willing to consider a first-round pick movement with lottery protection, of course. Um, to move Jack Campbell, provided that you can get out of that free and clear. Because right now, unfortunately, um, he's the backup in the AHL. And given the numbers that we all know that are tied to him and on, on the salary cap, that's it's just too much and it's not working. So I think that's the only the only trade I would make that would include a first round pick, unless you're getting an absolute stud uh, in, in return that can contribute not just for this year but for 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 years down the road, kind of like a Matias home trade last year, but. I could see it being included in the Jack Campbell trade if that happens, but man, I'd like to avoid trading the first rounder if possible. So, um, excluding Broberg, excluding Holloway, let's assume the Oilers at some point during the next few months leading up to the final games of the season have enough leeway and breathing room that they can recall one player for an audition. Of the prospects not named Holloway and Broberg, who would you like to see? I'd like to see more from Rob. I know, I know that he got a cup of coffee there with Sam Gagne hurt. I'd like to see what he can do a little bit more than what we've, we've seen. He's played low minutes, only a handful of games. I'd love to see him. If, if looking at who's down in, in Bakersfield, you know, there's, I'd be curious what could Xavier Borgo contribute on the right side at a low cost, uh, as a low cost skills forward. I mean, I mean, he's just getting to his pro career, but I think unfortunately from my perspective, and you would know better than, than I would ever on this, Alice. I think that the depth chart is a little bit shallow in terms of maybe some prospects that could get called up and actually be contributing to the NHL roster at this point. But Xavier Borgo might be a name, maybe. But Raphael 
is definitely the name that I would probably look at. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a big guy, and he looked much better. He looked better, right, the, the game that he played, even though he didn't play very long and he got a ridiculous penalty. I thought he was more involved and, and more aggressive. I agree. Yeah, he, there's a lot to like with Lavoie. He's a big, big kid. He's got skill, that shot. Once he figures out how to use that shot at the NHL level, he's going to score some goals. So if, if I'm picking one name, he's that guy. I think that he's got the toolbox to compete at the NHL level. It's just a matter of whether or not he can put it together. He's having another fine season down in Bakersfield. He's scoring goals. So ultimately what we need in the roster. Um, and if he's going to be playing a little bit, then yeah, 100% it would be Ralph LeBlanc. So at least some of the people listening right now, final question for you, Bag Milk from Waters Nation. Sure. Some of the people listening right now are in the middle of their first work week of the year after the, the Christmas and the New Year. They are lethargic. They're bloated from too much food and drink. They are not focused in any way. So we look to you. The nation looks to bag milk for inspiration about how to corral all of the energy, all of the brain cells to get anything done so that we do not become a focal point for management during the first week back. Please give us the key to the highway. I think the most important thing you can do here in this first week, we've only got a couple of days left here to grind through, so we're almost there. But I think the most important thing you do is whether you work in an office or a cubicle or in a warehouse or wherever you're at, have some kind of work-related items in your within reach. So if you're on a computer, have some spreadsheets open in a tab that kind of look like you're doing something. Right. You know, there's some some websites out there like IShouldBeWorking.com. You know, there's a panic button on that website where if you click it, it opens a spreadsheet automatically. It makes the boss look like you're making all kinds of spreadsheets with all kinds of data. So I think you want to set yourself up for some success here. But really, we only got two days left to get through, one and a half days now to get through. So you're on the home stretch. Just keep doing what you can. But again, make sure you've got some work within arm reach that if the boss comes around the corner, you see someone walking down the hall, you just slip on over to that tab. You grab that thing that's work-related. And you you, may, you get through this last day and a half. Another thing I've noticed is if you carry around a, a stack of papers in the office, if you've got a file folder full of stack of papers, nobody's going to ever stop you. Nobody's going to ask you what's in that folder. You can just walk around all afternoon if you like. Just make it sure you got something in that folder that if anybody asks you, you open it up and there's your spreadsheets right inside. So maybe visit the printer, print some of that stuff off, and carry it around with you for the rest of the week. I feel like you'll get by. Or at the absolute worst case, you write to old bag milk, and I'll do an, unli- an, uh, an unlicensed doctor's note for you. Oh my I don't know God. that'll work at your employer, but I'm happy to do it. You do so much for us even before you start offering these little tidbits, but that's outstanding. Well done. <laughs> well, well done. It's, it's the advice I was born to give, Alan. So now, what is, does, does the dog just wait for the next game? Because it's a while here. Yeah, unfortunately, Frank, uh, you know, we got Ottawa coming up the late game on Hockey Night in Canada. He's been patiently waiting since the win over Philly. So I've got him studying spreadsheets. He's looking at uh, some of the possession numbers over at Natural Stat Trek. He's reading all the news at OethersNation.com. And he's checking out LowTide.ca to make sure that he's up to date on all things he needs before Saturday's game against the Senators. God, that's that's the wise dog right there. Now... When you walk by the dog, does he have spreadsheets open on this computer too? or? So what he does is I actually stole the last idea from Frank. <laughs> he's always got this note around the panel, but when I walk by, he pops up to attention. He pretends he's looking at all the sheets and all the data I've printed out for him on a daily basis. Oh my God. I'm actually just borrowing from the dog. He's much smarter than I. So I'm just relaying the information that he has established as best practice. Dogs are running circles around us. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.